Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 15 of Genesis chapter 2. And we're continuing to look at verses 16 and 17. And Jehovah God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And we're looking at verse 16. Uh, we were discussing the last part of the verse of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. And, and the first part said Jehovah God commanded the man. And we often look at the commandment, uh, as referring to thou shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That our, our mind's eye heads directly for the law that was established surrounding that tree. And yet part of what God commanded was a positive command. It was permissible, encouraged. Actually, God said, you may eat of every tree, every tree in the garden. And, you know, as people like to paint God, he's a God who wants to hold us back. He's a God that doesn't want man to have experiences or to enjoy things. Well, that's not what comes across here. This is a God who opens up everything in the garden. Everything. The totality of all trees of the garden. You may eat but one. Just a limitation, and he is God, and if God wants to place a limitation on something, he certainly can, and he did, and so man's excuses concerning God's law are just that, excuses. They're just said today that Christianity is something that constrains you, places restraints on your mind, on your actions, on your desires, it's very limiting. It holds you back from from being um, a happy person, a, a fulfilled person, a contented person, a person who can do whatever they want. Christianity holds you back. And actually, the constraints are constraints of sin, as man is bound with the cords of his own iniquity and has placed himself in nothing but a spiritual dungeon in the kingdom of darkness, wherein, yes, he is free. Oh, he is so free to eat of this sin or eat of that sin. He may indeed choose which iniquity he prefers that will take him by the nose to his own death. That is man's freedom of choice. He has that option available to him, given to him, um, God uh, permits man to have that sort of free will. Yes, you can um, take your pick 
of which path of destruction you prefer that you're most comfortable being on, as it's really all part of one Broadway that leads to destruction. But if you want to go to the uttermost right edge of that, or to the left, or right down the center, as you prefer. Take your pick. You have a wide spectrum of options to choose from. You can choose to drink yourself to death, to smoke yourself to death, to drug yourself to death, or maybe you prefer a more physically healthy lifestyle and you can just have some other path that leads to death as the problem is that you're dead already in trespasses and sins and it's just a matter of time before you are completely and utterly destroyed, annihilated, and cease to exist and perish like a beast forever because of your freedom that you think you have, your freedom to sin. And actually, is man free to love as God defines love? What did Jesus say? If you love me, keep my commandments. No man does not have that type of freedom. The Lord Jesus said that the one he sets free would be free indeed. Free from captivity to sin and Satan. Free from bondage of serving the lower baser lusts of our desires. And free to eat of all the other trees. Free to do good and right and to be honest and just and to walk uprightly. Free to show gentleness and kindness and meekness. Free to exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. The people of the world have no knowledge of and no freedom to do because they don't have the Spirit and they cannot have its fruits. They have chosen the tree of the knowledge of good and evil And so if we, of course, all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's grace and his glory, and yet by that grace, God has elected certain individuals, predestinated them to salvation, and given them a new heart and a new spirit, and restored their soul, restoring a right relationship between himself and them, and restoring their ability to think on that which is good to speak of that which is good and right and just, and to do that which is of good report. And all that God's word allows, which is many, many things that God permits man to do. And they're all pleasant things. They're good things to speak kindly of someone. Now, let's just use that as an example. How often... Do people get together and they're friends and the topic of conversation comes around to this other person who has done some wrong or done something evil. So the friends spend their time talking about the evil that that individual did and basically gossiping about that evil person. And it's enjoyable and time passes and it was two friends getting together. Yet, why cannot, and there is no reason why not, two friends get together and they think of something someone has done that's very good. 
and then they say, you know, that was a good deed that that individual did. Of course, if they're elect, they can refer it back to God and how God moves and wills in his people to do of his good pleasure. And of course, that would be ultimately the source of all good returns to God and all good conversation would acknowledge that. And so they speak well of the thing that was done, and then they speak well of the person that did it by God's grace and moving within him. And you see, there's a completely different mindset, completely different mode of speech and conversation. The whole track line follows that which is upright and good and doesn't get into judgment or negativity in any way. But from here, we want to look at the Garden of Eden, as we've already seen, is a type, it's a figure of the outward representation of the kingdom of God on earth. And so God set up these trees within the garden and the trees that may be eaten of and the tree that may not be eaten of. God's law prohibits and says thou shall not eat of that tree. Well, this relates to overall God's program of setting up testing programs in corporate bodies. He did it with Israel. He did it with the church. And it revolves around his word, the Bible. And we can picture this as though all those trees bearing fruit are scripture. It is all scripture all around. And the fruit is the doctrine. When you come to the Bible... You follow the Bible's right methods of interpretation, comparing scripture with scripture, here a little, there a little, and that's what Isaiah tells us, that's how God teaches doctrine. And so, here in Israel, or here in the church, is the word of God, you're the caretakers of it, now you may freely eat, you may freely eat of all doctrine rightly derived from Genesis through Revelation as you compare the Bible with the Bible. Go ahead, eat of all the trees of the garden that are there because the Word of God is there. And where does the mind of the natural man who is a part of that corporate body that outward representation of God's kingdom on earth, tend to go to. Well, it goes in the same direction as the mind of the natural man outside of the corporate body in the world. His mind goes after that which is placed off limits to sinful activity, to things that are said, no, you can't have this, that the law of the land follows the law of God, and you cannot have these things. Well, for the natural-minded individual within the corporate body, Israel of old and the Church of the New Testament, their minds go to doctrine that is beyond the bounds, that goes over the line, that boundary that God has established with his ancient law, you shall not pass. These are the boundary markers. You shall not go over them. Well, man sees that and he crosses that line. And that has been much of the history of the New Testament corporate church as theologians and pastors and elders and deacons have gone to the Bible where all the trees are and they have gone beyond God's law 
and transgressed and developed doctrines that are contrary to the Bible, and they have eaten of that tree that God has placed commandments against, and said, you shall not eat of it, and they have failed to eat of all the other good trees that are out there. And they have done this again and again with the doctrine of salvation concerning free will. Arminianism, because there was a man named Arminian hundreds of years ago that came up with that doctrine that man can accept Christ. He can exercise his will and become saved through choosing Jesus. And so that is similar to the forbidden fruit or those that think they can decipher the mystery of the Godhead and the Trinity, and they then teach that God is only, yes, as the Bible says, one God, but one person. There's not three persons, as the Bible does say, but one. They try to bring this grand and glorious truth that is above them, as far as the heavens are above the earth, because it's a truth concerning the Creator above, and they're just a creature below on the earth, and they try to make it fit their understanding. They're one individual. Everyone they've ever known has only been one individual. Therefore, God must be one person as well as one God. Yes, it doesn't matter that God makes these other statements in the Bible that clearly indicate God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Oh, no, no, we have it figured out. And they have gone to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they have eaten of that which they should not. And now they're experiencing the evil of fruit that they should not be eating or partaking of. Well, that's how it's been, again, throughout the history of corporate bodies that God used to represent him. Now, let's go over to 1 Samuel 14. And we'll see this word, freely eat. And the word freely is actually the same word as eat. It's a doubling of the word. Eating thou shalt eat is really literally what freely eat means. And so this is found also in 1 Samuel chapter 14. And I'll read verse 30. That's where freely eat is used. And then I'm going to back up and we'll read the context. In 1 Samuel 14 verse 30. How much more, if haply the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies, which they found, for had there not been now a much greater slaughter among the Philistines? This is Jonathan speaking, and Jonathan had won a victory over the Philistines, and yet he's saying that it could have been a greater victory, except his father, King Saul, had basically commanded the people not to eat not to eat. Saul placed restrictions on eating. That Jonathan, he didn't hear when Saul had said that, so he did eat some honey from a honeycomb. And so Jonathan says that it could have been a greater victory if the people had eaten freely. Now, going back to 1 Samuel 14, verse 24, I'm going to read up to verse 30. And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had adjured the people, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food until the evening, that I may be avenged on mine enemies. So none of the people tasted any food. And all they of the land came to a wood, and there was honey upon the ground. 
And when the people were come into the wood, behold, the honey dropped. But no man put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan heard not when his father charged the people with the oath. Wherefore he put forth the end of the rod that was in his hand, and dipped it in a honeycomb, and put his hand to his mouth. And his eyes were enlightened. Then answered one of the people, and said, Thy father straightly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food this day. And the people were faint. Then said Jonathan, My father has troubled the land. See, I pray you, how mine eyes have been enlightened, because I tasted a little of this honey. How much more, if haply the people had eaten freely. Today of the spoil of their enemies which they found, for had there not been now a much greater slaughter among the Philistines. I'll stop reading there. So here we have Saul place limitations and restrictions to the people of Israel. You will not eat until I am avenged on mine enemies. And then what happens is they do win the battle and it says that the people were faint in verse 31 and then in verse 32 and the people flew upon the spoil and took sheep and oxen and calves and slew them on the ground and the people did eat them with the blood. And that is against the commandments of God in Deuteronomy 12:23 and 24. God commanded you shall not eat with the blood. But the people obeyed Saul's command. They endured the battle. They went through the whole struggle, and they must have been very hungry. And yet they kept Saul's command until he was avenged of his enemies. And then when Saul's command was satisfied, then they jumped on the spoil, these animals, And they were so hungry, they ate them with the blood, and in doing so, broke God's command. And the only one who, during the battle, did not keep Saul's command was Jonathan. Jonathan ate of the honey, and we read, his eyes were enlightened. And that was said twice, that word enlightened. In verse 27, he put his hand to his mouth, and his eyes were enlightened. And then in verse 29, I pray you, how mine eyes have been enlightened because I tasted a little of this honey. And what does honey represent in the Bible? It can represent the word of God, the gospel, or the doctrine of God. And here we have a historical parable. It's true historical event. King Saul was doing battle with the Philistines and issued, adjured the people this direction. You will not eat until I'm avenged. And they then fought the battle without eating. Jonathan did eat honey, and he was made strong. He had more strength, more vigor, and he was the one God used to win the battle against the Philistines. Not Saul, not the other men of Israel, but Jonathan was primarily the one God used. And what can we learn of this spiritually, because it is a historical parable, It's a parable of a similar thing that we're reading in Genesis 2 of the outward representation of God's kingdom and of laws of permission or that which is permissible and laws of restriction of things you shall not do. And in this case, Saul, 
who's a figure of the corporate church, gives his commandment. God didn't say, you shall not eat. No, what does God say in Genesis? You may freely eat. But Saul said, you may not freely eat of all the food that's available. In other words, it would be as though Saul was saying, you may not eat of all the other trees. But God allowed it. You may eat. Jonathan, who could be a picture of Christ as well as the believers here, eats some honey and his eyes are enlightened. And the rest of Israel does not eat the honey. Their eyes are not enlightened and they end up disobeying God and transgressing his law and eating with the blood. And that was one of the commandments in Acts 15 that carried over to the New Testament churches and congregations. There was a handful of commandments that the council in Jerusalem stipulated for the New Testament corporate church, and one of them was not eating things strangled. Well, let me read it in Acts 15, verse 20, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols, from fornication, from things strangled, and from blood. And that would refer to the law. You shall not eat with the blood. And so here there's a transgression of the law of God. And the corporate church has transgressed the law is really what it's picturing when they eat the animals with the blood and they are limited. They're commanded against with an oath. A curse is upon them if they freely eat during the battle. And that's because it is pointing to the doctrines of men over against the commandment of God. And within those outward bodies representing God's kingdom, it happened in Israel of old and it happened during the New Testament church age. The doctrines of men gained ascendancy. They were lifted up and placed as the law. These are our confessions. These are our creeds. These are what the most faithful reformers have declared. We will follow them. We will keep their commandment. And if you fail to keep it, you can be driven out of the church or killed, just as Saul was about to kill Jonathan. You can be killed for breaking the commandments of men. The Israelites feared the Pharisees because they would drive you out of the congregation if you confessed Jesus was the Christ. That is, if you ate of the honey, if you ate of the true knowledge, the true doctrine of the word of God, the Bible, you could be driven out and spiritually killed. No, you must follow our laws and our commandments. And yet God's people, by God's grace, they ate of the honey even during the church age. And that's what Jonathan is a picture of, as here his eyes were enlightened. Look at Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of Jehovah is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of Jehovah is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of Jehovah, that's the word of God, are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of Jehovah is pure, enlightening the eyes. And that's what happened spiritually with Jonathan when he took of the honey His eyes were enlightened because he was learning from the Bible, learning from the word of God. In Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. 
the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. They may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. When God's people come to the Bible, God says you may freely eat. You can start in Genesis, compare scripture with scripture. It'll take you here and there, and you can eat of each and every tree. And whatever right doctrine comes forth, the end of the church age, very well, you may eat of it. Christ slain as the lamb from the foundation of the world, making payment for sin at that point and not in 33 AD, very well, you may eat of it. Or a spiritual judgment coming on May 21, 2011, and God shutting the door of heaven, very well, you may eat of it. And you can eat of this tree and that tree and that tree. You do not eat of the one tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You do not go beyond the boundaries that God has established. But the church sets up its own laws and says, oh no. Oh, no, you have what they call progressive revelation. You think God can still unveil truth to you today, and that goes contrary to our law that God stopped unveiling truth with the Reformers 400 or 500 years ago. And we're not to go beyond what has been established with the Reformation. We're not to go beyond what the saints of old in our churches have taught us what our founding fathers have developed. Here it is in the confession. You must submit to the confession in our creeds. You see, they're just like Saul. You cannot eat of these other trees. You must obey us or you'll be cursed. And that is not the way of God. That is not the way of the Bible. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.